Welcome to the Riverwood Chapel podcast. We're so excited you're here. Please check out our other content and video uploads at riverwoodchapel.org. Thank you. Well, good morning. So one of my jobs in the holiday season is to put out all of the nativity sets that we own. Anybody else have that job in their home? Putting nativities out? Anybody? Uh, A couple people. All right. I don't know who else is doing it in your home, but... Uh, maybe you don't have those, but I, we do. I've, a number of we've collected over the years. Here's a picture of one of them. Um, I have no idea really what it's made of. I think it's like a bone china, but it's carved beautifully, and uh, it's really exquisite. And so pulling it out and looking at it this Christmas season, I've noticed something about the nativity scene. In a very broad stroke, it is a real collection of visitors, I mean, if you think about it, you have Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus. They are visiting Bethlehem. They don't live there. They're just visiting. Now, if you think about uh, the shepherds, the shepherds were making a visit from their fields. You think about the angels. The angel was, fear not, making a visit to both Mary and to Joseph. Even think about the wise men who came probably a couple years later to visit the child in his home. They too are visitors, which really got me thinking that really in this holiday season, that's really our theme too. Aren't we visiting in our Christmas kind of stories, whether we're visiting to neighbors, we're visiting extended family, we too are on kind of this trek of visiting others. And so I had this question, like when, like, when is like too much visiting a family? Like someone actually did a study of this a number of years ago. For those of us who will make an out-of-town visit, do you know what, when is that moment where it's too much? Like how, how many days is it too much? Anyone know? Hey, what's your opinion? Three days? Two days? Last hour, someone said, day one. I was like, yeah. The actual number is 3.5. That's the average. Like, you hit that 3.5 mark, you've stayed too long. Now, for those of us who are making in-town visits, in hours and minutes, when is that moment where you're like, it, I think it's time to go? You know what that number is? What, what do you think? Six hours? Three hours? The, the number average is three hours and 54 minutes. Like at that moment, it's like, um, I think I have to go. In that same study, one out of three people had an excuse that they would use to get out at that moment. Like, what is your go-to excuse to leave these functions? I was asking our staff, like, what do you say? And they were like, well, I think you could like say you don't feel well. I think you could blame it on the kids. Isn't that why we have kids? Like, blame it on the kids. But the number one target to leave early was our pets. Yeah, blame the dog, the cat, the fish, whatever it is. So this year, I'm gonna, I have an opportunity, I have something I'm going to give you as a gift to up your excuse game. You're going to be at Aunt Susie's house. You're going to be at that three-hour, 54 moment, and you're going to be like, oh, we got to get out of here. Just look at your phone, look at your watch, and say something like this. Oh, I forgot. I need to take my pastor's dogs out. And so I'm going to send out a sheet. We're going to have sign-ups, and uh, it's going to be great. Just come on over and take my dogs out. I'll help you that way. Well, in the season of visiting, in the story we're going to look at, there is another visitor. There's another one who visits. 
and that is God himself. And when God visits his people, great things happen. That's what we're going to see in this anthem that we're going to see this morning. And so as a church, we've been walking in this series uh, through this holiday season called the Anthems of Christmas. And last week we saw the anthem of Mary, and this week the anthem of Zechariah. You heard some of the backstory. Um, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke, and to see that, um, and we have booklets that you can kind of follow along and take notes if you so choose. They're in the back there if you need one, if you don't have one yet. But here's the story of Zechariah. So Zechariah is the one who's married to Elizabeth. They're up in years. She can't have kids. And then an angel visits them and says, guess what? You're going to have a child. Oh, really? Well, let's see. What name shall we use? You saw in the text. Uh, we're going to use Zechariah. No, 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 no. You're actually going to use the name John. Well, that's not a family name. We can't do that. And immediately in the story, Zechariah cannot talk. He's not trusting the Lord in his plan. Until the moment of the birth, what's his name? Um, uh, we're not quite sure. Zechariah, what is the name? Uh, and he writes it down. His name will be called John. Significant moment. His, he can then speak again. The people realize that this is a moment from God that is happening. Incredible, incredible moment. It is out of this, we then have Zechariah's anthem, his prophetic words that he was going to give. So if you have your Bible, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, I'm going to read from verse 67. This is what God's word says. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days." Zechariah says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited. There's our word. It's also repeated at the very end. It's kind of like a bookend uh, in verse 78. He has visited. Our Lord has visited. God has visited his people. That's my anthem. He's visiting. What does he visit to do? Well, he, he, when he visits, he redeems. What does that word mean? Well, from last week we saw it. It means to rescue it means to save. And so in verse 67, with Zechariah, he, he's celebrating. What he's proclaiming is that the God that he knows is a God who sees people who are in bondage. He sees his people who are in trouble. He sees people who are entangled in messes. And he visits to bring freedom. The word's not there, but that's, that's the theme of this anthem. And so we're going to be building out a sentence. This is part one of the sentence in the text. That God visits to bring freedom. When our God shows up in the lives of people, 
That's what he wants to do. He wants to bring freedom. Now, freedom is a very interesting conversation, even in the cultural conversation. I mean, we even have an anthem that we sing that speaks of freedom. Oh, say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave o'er the land and of the... And that's the word you can, like, hold out for about three minutes, right? Land of the free and home of the brave. Free, that... Free, that's what we're about in this country. Freedom. Okay, but what does that mean? I bet if we walked out of here and went in downtown Kent and we started asking people, what is freedom? But what, is, what do you think it means to be free? It wouldn't take us very long to get a definition that sounded something like this. Well, to do whatever you want, whenever you want to do it. That's freedom. Really? Culturally, that's what we believe. We want to be able to do whatever we want, whenever we want. We want to have, and we can take this conversation into different realms of our culture, we want to be financially free. I want to do whatever I want, whenever I want. I'll just pay for it. If I want to go to space, I'll go to space. Here's, you know, financial freedom. That's one conversation. But how about another conversation about freedom sexually? I'm whoever I want to be. Gender. Lots of conversations there. Freedom to choose. Freedom to discern and, and make that up and to go with what feels right. I am going to be the controller of that. That is freedom. And, and again, you can have all of these different kinds of conversations, but it, when you boil it down, it's whatever I want, whenever I want it is really true freedom. But is this really freedom? Let's look at the Bible and see what it says about freedom, because there might be a, a differing opinion. I mean, Zechariah's anthem is speaking of freedom, this idea of redeeming and saving and delivering. And so in the verses we read, Zechariah gives us a rich, the first thing he does, he gives us a rich background of biblical freedom stories. That's what I call them. These are like when we say anthems give us history and identity and speak of unity, there's great history in this anthem that he gives us. Freedom stories from the past. I'll give, there's four of them. I'm going to point them out real quickly to you. The first one, chronologically, would be Abraham. That's in verse 72. The oath that the covenant and the promise that he made to Abraham, that he would bless him and make him a great nation, and that his name would be great. And that's what, what God is promising Abraham in Genesis. I'm going to do great things in and through you, like the stars in the sky are going to be your ancestors. That's what you're headed towards. And in that moment, what he was not saying is, so that you can do whatever you want whenever you want to do it. That's not what he was promising Abraham. He was saying, we are now entering into a relationship. That's the key word. I am going to do these things. And here's my, my, my hope for you is that you will, and this just comes right out of Genesis, that you will walk before me and be blameless. You will walk before me and be blameless in your ways as I now come and have a relationship with you. 
That's, that's story number one. Story number two is the story of Moses. Moses isn't mentioned in Zechariah's anthem, but these words strongly allude to this story, that when he talks about being saved from enemies and people who hate us, Oh, yeah, that reminds me. The people in Exodus, yeah, we were held captive in Egypt, and they sure did hate us. They enslaved us. And when God visited his people, look what happened. Freedom. Let my people go. Parting of the Red Sea. Incredible moment. But it wasn't a moment where they got out and they said, we get to do whatever we want whenever we want now. No, 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 no. That's not what the relationship was. In Exodus, God told Moses this, Obey my voice and keep my covenant. You shall be a treasured possession among all peoples. We're having a relationship here. You are now my people. All right, that's number two. Number three is the story of David. Zechariah talks about that in verse 69. Salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. And once again, David was called to keep the covenant, the promises of God's people that he made. David would then expand this into his lineage. Like if you look at the gospel of Matthew in the first chapter, you can see all of the generations that believe and all the generations through David where the Christ child would be born. And so, again, this isn't a do whatever you want whenever you want. David understood that there's relationship here. There's expectation. At the very end of his life, this is what he would say to his son on his deathbed. Keep the charge of the Lord your God. Walk in his ways. Keep his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies as it is written in the law. There's relationship here, my son. Keep it. And then finally, Zechariah speaks about the prophets in verse 70. This was an era where the people were doing what they wanted whenever they wanted. That's the story that's going on in the prophets. We looked at it this past summer. And the prophets kept reminding the people, turn to God. Turn. It's not too late. Turn to him. Turn your hearts to him. Have a relationship with him. It's going to be hard at moments, but do it. Follow him with your life. And so what Zechariah is reminding us is that through relationship with God comes freedom. This is the historical story. Our culture tries to find freedom in all of the other places Whatever I want, whenever I want. And God says, no, 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 That's actually not freedom. There's a pastor. His name is Josh Moody. He, um, he speaks of an illustration that's very simple. It's very profound in this context, though. He says, pretend that we are like fish swimming in the sea. And we're thinking to ourselves, we want to be free. And so we think that freedom means I need to get out of this water. And you can imagine that moment when you are flopping around in the boat and the fish is saying, I'm free. But what we know is that that is flopping around on the boat, that's death. That's not freedom. It might feel like freedom for a moment, but it's not. That's not what freedom is. 
And so in our culture, it's searching for freedom, but it's really seeking and finding things that will lead to certain death. There's not freedom in finances and sexual expressions and everything else that we want to put out there. Zechariah is very, very clear. It has always been, and it will always be, a story of relationship with God. That is the only place you can find true freedom. What kind of freedom? Like, what do we need free from? Like, what is bogging us down? Like, what's entangling us? And the freedom that is brought to us through God and through his son, Jesus Christ, is the freedom from sin. That is the narrative of the scriptures from Old Testament to New Testament, from Genesis 1 and 2 when there was perfect relationship to Genesis 3 when everything went horribly wrong. We have been living in this Genesis 3 world where we are struggling. Sin is is marring relationships. It's building distance between us and God, and we are desperate at a very deep level to find that kind of freedom. True freedom. Not a fish out of water. That's not freedom. Freedom through a relationship with God. And from our vantage point, the baby would come that Zachariah is speaking of. The baby's going to come to bring freedom. He's going to grow in wisdom and in stature. He is going to be the one who's going to teach people like they've never heard before. He's going to perform miracles. He's going to do and say things that most people are going to be shocked to see and to hear. He's going to live a sinless life. And then he is going to be led to death. And on the third day, he will be resurrected. See, this is the story that Zechariah is setting us up to understand and to embrace, that our God wants to have a relationship with us to share the freedom story that our heart really wants to know. It's interesting, even Jesus, in his own words, when he would grow and start teaching, notice what he says about freedom. He says the same exact thing. In the Gospel of John, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. There's relationship here. And you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How do you say you will be free? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Ah, when the son sets you free, relationship with God His son, Jesus Christ, when you know him, you will be set free from the penalty of sin that your heart is desperately looking for freedom from. And so we stop here. I ask this question. Do you have this kind of freedom? Do you know this kind of freedom? You. Do you know it? Do you? You. You. And all of us, the finger is pointing in the text at us to say, do you know this freedom? 
That's what Zechariah is saying, because when God visits his people, he visits them to bring freedom, the freedom that our heart is looking for. And I believe he even visits people in churches. He even visits people who are visiting churches. He visits his people to bring freedom. Do you know that freedom? The promise of this kind of relationship just isn't about an eternal salvation. That's definitely the promise. But there's something for us in the here and now, too, in this anthem. There's something so wonderful in verse 74. Um, once we enter into this relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ, Zechariah would say something like this. He says that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. Oh, so it's not like I, I did that a long time ago, and now I can do whatever I want whenever I want. No. When you enter into a relationship with God, you now serve him without fear. What does this word mean? Well, if you were to go into the New Testament, this word serve also is the word of worship. It's, it, for those who are familiar with Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it's this kind of worship, that when we enter into a relationship with God, he calls us to then onto this journey with him. And in this journey, we present the entirety of our lives, everything that we have, our family, our, our talents, our, our skills. We lay everything before him. This is, this is what we do. And in the book of Romans, it says that this is, our, we are a living sacrifice. And very quickly after that, Paul says, because this is our form of what? Worship. Worship. Same word right here. The entirety of our lives as we enter into a relationship with him is worship. And so we are the kinds of people who are worshiping him with everything that we have. We are becoming, here's the exciting part, we are becoming more like him each and every day as we walk with him. It's that, that road of sanctification where we are being sanctified day by day. You see, we had a relationship that was imperfect in Genesis 1 and 2, or in Genesis 3, and we are still living in that imperfection. We're tarnished by it. But here's the, the good news in this second part of this sentence, that God wants to, he visits to bring freedom so that we can serve, we can worship him without fear. That as his children, uh, we get to walk in this journey of becoming. And for me, here's what it means for me, and you can personalize it for yourself, but for me, I am becoming different each and every day. I am a different husband than I was 25 years ago because of what Christ is doing in me, and that's good news. I, I am a different father than I was 15 years ago because I am living this out. I am walking with Christ. He is molding and shaping me to look more like him. And that's good news. 
I'm, I'm not the same pastor I was 20 years ago. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> you sure aren't. And this is good news. And it's good news for you, too. You're not the same police officer you were 15 years ago. You're not the same accountant you were 15 years ago. You're not the same dad you were five years ago. And all of us have that story. He is molding and shaping his people to be different. We will be the kind of church, a collection of imperfect people who are looking more like Jesus each and every day so that we can serve and worship him without fear. Wonderful news that Zechariah gives us. Wonderful news. We are imperfectly different walking with Jesus Christ as we swim in the waters of our faith. We're not trying to flop out of the boat into the boat. That's certain freedom of death. We are swimming in our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not easy. He calls us to hard things, loving enemies sharing faith, going to places and, and being bold, being a certain kind of husband, being this kind of person in this situation. I mean, these are the challenging things of walking and swimming with our Savior. Are you worshiping him? Are you serving him? You see, it doesn't happen right here in, in church. I mean, our whole lives, when you walk out of these doors, is a living sacrifice. All right, that's part two. God visits to bring freedom so that we can serve and worship him without fear. And the third part is, is, is a continuation in the anthem. And it's interesting. At this point, Zechariah like, changes gears on us. He's been talking about Jesus Christ in the first portion of his anthem. Now he changes, and now he's going to speak of John the Baptist, his own son. Listen to these words in verse 76. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness, in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And if we were to keep reading, we would read this and see the story of John the Baptist that would emerge. He would come from the wilderness. He would be the one who would boldly give uh, the testimony, the knowledge of the one who was to come, of whose sandal he was unfit to even tie the one who is going to come and bring true freedom is coming. He's coming. And so he uses this metaphor to say, and I love how he says it, Zechariah. He says, he is the one who is the sunrise, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. The sunrise is going to visit us. The one who's going to bring light to this world. The one who's going to shine light into dark spaces is coming. I took this picture off of social media from one of you. Someone took this picture and I stole it. And um, so here it is. This was Thursday morning. This was a beautiful morning. If you walked outside around 7.30 or so in the morning, because it was that morning that has kind of that purple pink hue to it. It was beautiful. 
crisp morning, the beauty of the light, the reminder of a new beginning. This is the, what, what, John, what Zechariah is tapping into through John's words, that Jesus Christ is the one of, of hope, of a new day. He's the one who brings beauty. He's the, the one who, who, is the, who has the gospel of freedom, who brings that to his people. And we, John being the first, he gets to be the one who gets to point people to the sunrise. You see, it's not a burden. It's not difficult. It's not like, oh, I've got to talk about this guy. No, it's exciting. Look at the sunrise. Look how wonderful it is. It brings freedom. It brings freedom. And so that's the third part of the sentence. You see, the sentence goes like this, that God visits to bring freedom to us so that we can serve him and worship him without fear. We're going to walk every day growing in Christ-likeness to the po- and also to point people to the sunrise of his son, Jesus Christ. We get to be the people who point people to the freedom that we of ourselves have experienced. Now, right before this was spoken from Zechariah, you have to know that he got this from somebody else. There's an Old Testament prophet, the very last one, like the last few verses of the Old Testament. This is what you'll come across in Malachi the, the verse says this, But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. Malachi said that. Notice, he says, But for you who fear my name, that's relationship. There is one who is coming, and it's going to be the sun, S-U-N, of righteousness. There's going to be a sunrise that's coming. Now think about this. Malachi said that. 400 years of silence. Zechariah's anthem now comes and says, guess what? There's a sunrise that's coming. A sunrise of freedom. And it's these words of Malachi, these words of Zechariah, that also remind us of something Christmassy. Hark the herald angels sing. Charles Wesley dipped into these lyrics and gave us this verse. Hail the heaven-born prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. S-U-N. Light and life to all he brings. He's bringing it. He's visiting. God's here. Risen with healing in his wings. What's the anthem of Zechariah speaking to you today? Is it something about freedom? Do you know this freedom? Have you found it? You've wandered into a church. You see kids being dedicated. You hear things about freedom. Have you found spiritual freedom? It's only found in one place. And what Zechariah tells us, this relationship with the God of the universe through his son, Jesus Christ. Have you found it? Maybe he's speaking to you about the second part of the sentence, about something of worship. Am I living my life as a, as a living sacrifice of worship to him? Or am I just living it for myself? Or maybe he's speaking to you something about your witness. 
See, we get to be the ones who point people, especially this time of year. We get to point people to the sunrise. Do you know the story of freedom? I do. He has set me free. I am free indeed. He's speaking to us. He's challenging us. May we be open to hearing the promptings of the one who visits his people for freedom. Let me pray for us this morning. Dear God, we give you thanks. On our own, we wander in darkness. On our own, we stumble and fall. It is only because of the sunrise, your son, Jesus Christ, that brings direction and clarity and what our heart really wants, freedom. May we experience that. May we celebrate that. May we proclaim that right here in this moment through the songs we sing, but also as we leave from here in our professions and the things that take up the hours of our days, may we be the people who continue to worship you um, without fear. Thank you for hearing us in this moment and challenging us. We do all this to bring glory to you. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.